Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast where you can be a nice, where you can learn to be a nice, awesome mom. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you. Yeah. Did you get lipstick on (laughs) my face? You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 76. Today, we're talking all about the family mindfulness retreat I went on. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. A Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years, and I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls ages 7 and 10. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, As you may know, I've been upping the frequency of the podcast lately. I'm wondering if you like that. You should let me know over on Facebook, Hunter C. Yoga, or just um, email me at hunter at hunteryoga.com. I'd love to know. This is a very cool podcast. Um, You may know that I went on our second family mindfulness retreat, and this is going to be all about that. So it's a solo episode. Um, I recorded my reflections about the retreat just a few days after I got back, so they were really fresh. And so you get to hear that today, and I go into detail. So if you're curious, you can hear about this retreat and the cool things we did. It was really 
really nourishing and, and some of my takeaways, which um, have been very valuable to me anyway. And, and actually, I think they've been uh, helping with my clients and things like that. So that's pretty cool. I, I hope you really enjoy this episode. Next time, we're going to be back with my friend Carla Nomberg. So stay tuned for that. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, I really encourage you to subscribe and to leave a review on iTunes. And you can do that really easily. I haven't gotten any new reviews this week, so I don't have any to report, sadly. But um, you can do that right on iTunes. Um, you can go to the podcast app on your phone, <clears throat> search for the Mindful Mama podcast, and then clicking on it, and you'll see there's this little box, and there you can click on reviews, and it says there's, in purple, it says write a review. So please go ahead and write a review for me. That would help enormously. Coming up around here, we are preparing for the Mindful Parenting course. The live version is going to be starting in September. And you may know that I have the um, self-study version on my website, but what's cool, what's really different about the live version is that you get eight weeks of live coaching. And this is a really valuable part of the course. And, uh, you know, I almost, you know, I had requests for from people to, you know, please do a self-study version. And I did it, but it was, I almost didn't want to because this is such a, um, an in-depth course with so much learning in there that it can be hard to do it on your own. And I really, it's really, really valuable to get the input from other moms, to hear that you're not alone, to hear other people going through things, and to get the live coaching so that you can, we can strategize about your particular position, or we can talk about some stuff that's coming up for you. So it's really, really valuable. So even if you've done the self-study version, I'm going to offer you an option to be able to join uh, the live coaching. And so this is all coming up starting in September. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I am taking some uh, calls, clarity calls, to talk about one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is ongoing, and that is to just really take you to the next level. So if you're interested in that, you can go and check it out at hunterclarkfields.com, Clark with an E, Fields with an S, and um, go over to the Work With Me page. So anyway, on to this episode. So two days ago, my family and I got back from the family retreat at Blue Cliff Monastery. And I wanted to share it with you here on the podcast because it's a pretty interesting thing to do, a pretty unusual thing for families to do. And, um, and I got a lot out of it in terms of my parenting and my mindfulness practice um, that I want to share with you. So first, let me tell you what it is, right? So Blue Cliff Monastery is um, a monastery where monks and nuns in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh live there, and they practice mindfulness, and they put on retreats for families, for educators, uh, et cetera. And then they have times of the year where they're, you know, quietly practicing their own mindfulness practice. And Thich Nhat Hanh is a an incredible teacher. He's my teacher. I've mentioned him a lot. You might recognize the quote that I use from Thai, which is the word for dear teacher, right? Um, which is uh, when you love someone, 
the best thing you can offer them is your presence. How can you love if you are not there? And he has other, so many other amazing quotes that he's quoted often. Um, But this is my personal spiritual tradition, right? This is where uh, Thich Nhat Hanh is, I read one of his first books uh, that inspired me to start my own mindfulness practice and to help relieve my own suffering, you know, as a younger person in my 20s. So, um, so yeah, so this is a monastery. And what happens with the family retreat is, is that for seven days, all these families come to the monastery. So 200 people came to this retreat, which is really big, um, including 50 teenagers. So all these teenagers come too. And children, there were, there were probably about 50 children as well. And parents and also individuals. And it's up in the Catskills of New York, and it's a secluded place. They uh, they got to name their road, so it's they are on Mindfulness Road. <laughs> and um, the, it's there's a, a big meditation hall, and there's dining halls, and it's kind of like a camp, I guess. You know, people were camping, and my family and I stayed in a family bunk dorm, so we had bunk beds, um, and there's no Wi-Fi and no TV and no computers, but they have programs for for teens, for kids, and for adults, so they have separate programs for for teens, kids, and adults, and then we come together and do some things uh, like the meals and things like that, and of course, there are monks and nuns there, so, you know, the monks and nuns are, uh, they come from all around the world, and they're, they're, they've got brown robes and they've got shaved heads. So this is like not your typical summer camp, I guess you might say, because there's this aspect, right, of the monks and nuns. But so what it is, is everybody comes and people are interested in mindfulness. They have, to get to the point of sort of learning about this retreat, they've, they've, you know, they've dived into sort of the world. um, And many people belong to a a local sangha or practice community, uh, a, a group of mindfulness practitioners. Um, and I also belong to a sangha, and that's where I learned about the retreat. So you um, maybe in the in the show notes I can share some resources where you could find a sangha if you're interested in that. And also people uh, come from, you know, the people who go, uh, people come from all faith traditions, right? So this happens to be my own personal spiritual tradition, um, but, um, you know, or at least adopted spiritual tradition. I grew up agnostic. Anyway, but people come from all faith traditions. They People come who um, don't choose to practice any faith, particularly, oops, there's my computer making noises, people. <laughs> and people who, you know, there was a wonderful couple um, who run an incre- a retreat center in Brazil, um, who I loved getting to know, uh, who are Catholic, and their their kids are Catholic. So there's all kinds of families of different faiths. Um, there is the, you know, the LGBT community is represented there. There was, um, you know, a, a trans trans woman there, and there's uh, gay families with their kids there. And there's also individuals there, people who just come. And there are individuals who are just kind of staying at the monastery for a while, too. So it brings together all these people who are interested in <clears throat> mindful living, in 
taking the practice of mindfulness and bringing it into your everyday life. And that's really what they, they focus on there. So is this like, you know, family uh, Buddhist mindfulness summer camp, more or less, right? Um, so why did we go, right? Our family, we went to the retreat two years ago. And then last year, we decided to go to my uh, hometown of Bristol, Rhode Island's big 4th of July parade. And this year, we decided to go again because we decided to go because I I was sort of the big driver that I really wanted to go. But my um, daughters loved it as well, and my husband wanted to go. We all wanted to go because we wanted to take time out of our lives to reset Right, to, to reset our pace. So the, the idea of any retreat is that you're just taking time out. You're taking, kind of pushing pause on your life, pushing the pause button, and taking the time for uh, rest. I mean, to really rest, right? There was every, every after, almost every afternoon, they did this uh, deep relaxation. It was wonderful. So everybody went to the, the great, big hall, which is this beautiful hall with all these open windows, and you can hear the birds chirping and fresh breezes coming through. And you put out these uh, cushions, and they lead you through a guided relaxation. And for many, many of us, it's kind of like nap time, where we just take a nap, and it's so relaxing to uh, be able to do that, right? But this is that's one of the reasons we went there is to rest, right, and also to, to, you know, to renew our commitment to mindfulness. So we go there to, to rest to pause, you know, to take time where it's, it's so nice to go somewhere where, you, you know, you're not cooking the meals. Uh, you don't have to decide the itinerary. You don't have to decide where to go. You just arrive there and then, you know, we all help out. Like we help out the cleaning the dishes and uh, all sort of different jobs around the monastery for mindful working. But um even the spirit of working is done in a spirit of rest. Like we're not going to hurry. We're going to practice to generate joy while we're working. Um, and um, the other reason why we went is to um, to share our practice with our children. So, you know, it's really wonderful that they have this children's program. And, and I actually really like... Uh, that they it's it's separate because sometimes um, sometimes it can be hard for uh, our children to sort of learn. Sometimes when we're in the space, you know, they tend to fall into old patterns and they don't like to learn things from us, right? Or have us telling them what to do. Uh, but when they get into a situation where we we're not there and there's other uh, loving, caring adults then they sometimes can be more open-minded. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. 
I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, or Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. So what do they do with the children? It was cool. So they, every morning we, we would have, we would wake up and um, we, my husband and I would go to the meditation or I would go early, you know, like 6 a.m. meditation and it could be a guided meditation or a silent meditation. And then we did, I found a running buddy, which was really great. Shout out to Martha. And um, a- afterwards, so we did some exercise. Some The, the monks and nuns led, led people through um, either yoga or you could do tai chi or there was this like stick exercise, which is kind of neat that I tried. And, um, and then of course I found my running buddy. (laughs) We did this four mile run, woohoo, pat on my own back. (laughs) Um, so we would have that time and then we would, um, get together for breakfast. So we'd get our children because our girls are old enough to just sort of sleep through all that. And then we'd go get them for Bill, Bill would get them while I did my exercise and, and we'd go have breakfast together. And we had a big tent outside to hold these people. And we had 
breakfast, and then after breakfast there was some free time or it might be some work time if you were chopping vegetables. Uh, and, um, and then they had the children's program. What we first did, we all went to the Great Hall and there was a Dharma talk or a talk about the teachings of mindfulness, the teachings of the Buddha for the children, and then the children would leave and go to their program. And the cool thing about this program for children that I really like is that they teach them about mindfulness in a really gentle, really loving way, but they do teach them. And they they teach them um, snack meditation, <laughs> which is great. So in the Mindful Parenting class, actually, course that I teach, you know, there's a one of the first practices we do is a practice about um, mindful eating because it's so... Um, it's such a great introduction to mindfulness because it's so, it really shows you very palpably and with your taste buds, you know, how different um, your mindfulness practice is from sort of our everyday distracted way of being. And so they teach that with the children, which is really cool. They do, they did tangerine meditation, <laughs> which I think is beautiful. And so these, um, uh, volunteers and monks and nuns, they do the children's program and they are so gentle and loving and kind. And they teach them how to invite the bell um, and how to stop and breathe mindfully, uh, which is pretty neat, you know? And, and they also like run around and do crazy games too. <laughs> but they they did nature walks and they the kids, they, they would catch frogs in the lotus pond and they would um then my girls went into the woods and made fairy houses and they learned these beautiful songs they teach the kids these beautiful songs um songs about breathing in and breathing out and and songs about um nature and appreciating you know appreciating the sun and the rain and the flowers and um and um, the other thing that my girls did as far as this is sort of another reason why we went, right, is this share this, sharing this practice with our children is our, our girls did this uh, thing called the, the two promises. And they promised, they made like a little vow to develop their understanding and to develop their compassion, right? And it really is beautiful because it goes sort of, hand in hand with, uh, with what I teach in my, with my coaching and with, um, in the mindful parenting course, which is sort of the, sort of the two, um, the wings of mindfulness, right? Our awareness and compassion, right? Awareness, understanding what is, what is going on with the other person? What is going on with the other being? Like, let's have understanding, uh, beyond just ourselves, see other people's suffering, you know, that practice of empathy and then compassion also practice of empathy. What, what is the, how can I, I care for other living beings, right? Which I, I think is so beautiful. So they did this two promises. There's a song where they learn about the two promises and, and, um, they do, uh, fill out a sheet where they write about them themselves. And then the, they give them a uh, dharma name, which I think is so cool. Uh, so this is a, a dharma just mean means the teachings of the the Buddha, the teachings of the the way out of suffering, and uh, and they were given a name that it's interesting because it actually really suited the you know they had 
gotten to know them over these seven days, and they it really suited who they are as people, which I think is so beautiful. So my my seven year old Sora, her Dharma name that she was given was Radiant Spring of the Heart, which is so beautiful because she just. Uh, she is like a spring where she's she's got freshness bubbling forth from her. And they could see that, which I think is so beautiful. And my oldest daughter, Maggie, her Dharma name that she was given was Peaceful Place of the Heart. And I think that's so beautiful because she really, and I think they could see this, right, that she needs a place that is peaceful. Um, she And often for her, it's her books and resting and kind of taking a step back from her sort of enthusiastic outward movement into the world, but she needs that time for to rest and she needs that that peaceful place. So it was so um, so appropriate. So they were a little <laughs> they were a little mm, reticent about trading <laughs> the Fourth of July fireworks and the big parade and everything to go on retreat. But I have to say, they had an amazing time. They really loved it. They really thrived. They had no screens, no Wi-Fi, no TV, no computers for a week, and they had a fabulous time. They just uh, blossomed, and that was really, really beautiful to see. They made friends, and they had a lot of freedom just to be kids and to just be in nature and to play and a very safe place to run around so um, it was nice for them to have lots of freedom in that way. You know, I would, um, I would say I'm going to go and rest and in the shade of these trees and read my book, and they'd say, "Okay, I'm going here," and it was totally fine. Very safe, um, gentle place to be. Yet. Um, they, they didn't have to worry too much about 4th of July, but I'll get to that. Hold on. Uh, so the other reasons why we went, we went for personal reflection, right? And this idea of we went to have a place and a time to come home to ourselves, right? So in our daily lives, we are so much going forward. We're getting things done. We're doing and doing and doing. And this was really a time to stop and to just be, right? To come home to ourselves. So part of what we practiced again and again and again was pausing and just breathing and dropping in our attention into dropping into myself, right? So what does that mean? That means to drop into my body and you can even if you're not driving you might be able to do this right now you just breathe and you sort of draw your attention down into your heart your chest you draw your attention into your body and you take a rest right take a rest from the the mind's chatter from the mind's storytelling and meaning making and problem solving and planning and all that stuff. You just, ah, oh, just soften from that. Just take a rest from that. And so we practice that again and again. Whenever uh, somebody invited the bell, we would all pause and drop into ourselves and breathe. 
And it was just such a deeply nourishing practice to be able to do this many times a day, to be encouraged to do this many times a day instead of like the encouragement that we have in our own lives, which is this sort of encouragement to just go, go, go all the time, to get things done, to buy more stuff, to, um, you know, we get this encouragement from our media to, to never feel like we're good enough until we have the next thing. And here it was actually quite the opposite. You know, it was a practice of let's just stop and pause, drop into ourselves, and just appreciate what is here and now, right? Appreciating this present moment, appreciating this beautiful flower, appreciating the fact that I am alive and I am breathing. Holy moly, it's amazing, right? Um, So... We came there to do that, right? To have this time and this encouragement to to pause and to to rest. And we we did pause many times a day, and we are actually encouraged to to even walk slowly, right? To um, to give ourselves enough time to not have to hurry, to slow down our walking and appreciate what's around us: the animals, the birds, the flowers, the trees. And there were all these cool animals there. Like, um, I actually had this really cool moment when <clears throat> I, it was after the meditation in the morning, we had some time before breakfast and I met Bill back at our, our bunk and I thought, okay, I'm going to, um, and I went down to the pond. So they had a pond that was kind of in the wood down a hill, uh, surrounded by some trees, really beautiful pond. And so I went down to the pond and I just stood there and, and it was early morning and the frogs were croaking. <laughs> it was really cool, very peaceful and quiet. And the water was so still. It was really nice. I just could rest there, right? Get that sense of rest that I'm talking about. But then it was funny. So I heard this like hacking, coughing behind me. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, sort of crunching on some of the gravel. And this monk came, and I think his name is. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mangle his Vietnamese name. So uh, his, yeah, his name is I think Brother Emptiness or something like that. But anyway, he's a, an older monk, and he he's a really cool guy. He's got a great sense of humor, um, and he's been a teacher and uh, a monk with uh, Thich Nhat Hanh for a long time. Anyway, he comes hacking down the path. <laughs> and he walks up, and he has a bag of stale bread in his hand. And so there's this little, like, uh, wooden platform right at the pond where I was standing, and he comes onto that. And so he he gestured to me, and we got, we got the, the bread, and he made a little spot to sit, and I crouched down, and we started to feed the fish together. And it was so cool. Um, all these fish came, like all these, they were practically jumping out of the water. And there were catfish that came, and there were two beautiful koi gold and and white fish that came, and we saw them suck in the bread. And then um, and then he point he pointed in the water to show me, and I saw this like uh, 
mottled head come up and it was this, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? A scary snake. And I was like, what is that? He's like a turtle. And I was like, oh, it was this turtle. And so apparently there are three turtles in the pond. And so this turtle also came and it was just really beautiful. Um, my girls saw a deer and there were bunnies and it just seemed like everybody, all the animals knew that this was a very peaceful, safe place. Uh, they only serve uh, vegetarian, in fact, vegan food there. So um, the animals were were well um, well in their range of safety, and, uh, and that was really nice. Also, it, like I said, there was this choice for our family to skip the big 4th of July parade that I grew up with in Bristol, Rhode Island. It's a big parade, you know, it's got, it takes three hours to go by and it's three miles long and it's, uh, the whole town goes crazy. It's really wild and fun and I grew up with that. So I'm kind of used to this level of celebration for the 4th of July. I mean, in fact, there's concerts and carnivals and it just goes on for weeks. And I was a little worried about 4th of July, you know, because I, I, this is something that's in my blood that I want a good 4th of July celebration. And I have this patriotism in this way. And, um, so I woke up on 4th of July and the 4th of July we did, I think they celebrate the holidays this way is like a lazy day, right? Where there's not much plan. There was actually like a mindful parenting workshop planned at 10, but, um, there's, there really wasn't much else planned, but there was an evening thing. And so on 4th of July, I put on my blue shirt with white words, and I had my necklace with red on it, so I'm wearing my red, white, and blue, and I'm kind of going through and missing my family now because it's 4th of July, excuse me, and um, my, my one remaining grandfather is home with my parents uh, at this Bristol uh, 4th of July location, and in fact, it, even the um, it, the smell at the monastery, like the smell of the mountains there, it smelled like my grandfather's home in New Hampshire. It, it really reminded me of the pine smell and things like that. So I was kind of feeling really um, sentimental. Anyway, so 4th of July is there, and I'm kind of looking around, and nobody's wearing red, white, and blue. <laughs> So a little bit of the antithesis of, of the Bristol 4th of July parade. Uh, in fact, there was one woman who was wearing a, a red shirt and white pants and had a blue shirt tied around her waist. I said, oh, you're wearing red, white, and blue. She's like, oh, look at that. I happen to be wearing red, white, and blue. Like she hadn't planned it. I was like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, so the morning is going by and we had this wonderful workshop, like I said, and I was on uh, pot washing duty or plate drying. We did this. We all shared this in a group where we we shared this this work. It's it's not hard, but at one point I had this really hard time where I was struggling. Where uh, there is this there was a bookshop where they sold um, ice cream bars and stuff like that, and the girls were going to go get one, and and they were going to. And I wanted one too. You know, this is for the July. I at least want like an ice cream bar. I'm going to be eating all this tofu, right? 
And so I wanted this ice cream bar, but then I was so, they asked me, "Can you scrub the pot?" So I was like, "Okay." So I go on pot scrubbing duty again, which is, you know, it's not exactly like the funnest thing in the world to do is scrub some pots. And so there's this one point where I really struggled, where I thought I wasn't going to get my ice cream. And I was on pot scrubbing, and and I had this moment of like this these thoughts of like, oh, this is my Fourth of July, no red, white, and blue, no flag, and I'm scrubbing pots. <laughs> and then a friend in the kitchen who was helping said, "Oh, Hunter, like you're the greatest pot scrubber or something." I think he was kind of ribbing me a little, and and I. I just gave him, like, the evil eye (laughs) because I was not happy about that at that moment. But I breathed and I practiced to just feel my feeling, feel my disappointment, right, and feel just expand, right, allow myself to expand into that moment and breathe and Also notice what else was going on and just allow that feeling to be there and not try to fight it and just notice it. And so I was able to kind of surf that wave. This is kind of how we think about it, right? Like we're always going to have the waves of of challenges. Not that the, that was like a huge challenge, but anyway, we're going to, we always have these waves of challenges and um, we're not going to stop the waves, but we can learn to surf. So I surfed. And then as I was on kind of my, like my last pot, my daughters come into the walk, come right into the kitchen. They're like, mommy, here's your, and they brought me this like chocolate, coconut, yummy ice cream bar. And I was so excited. And I had just had one pot left. And then this this wonderful guy said, oh, here, I will do this pot for you. (laughs) So I got to go eat my ice cream. So I was a little relieved. And then things improved. <laughs> there was a, a car that drove by with an American flag, which I was kind of happy about. You know, you, in my hometown, you always see, like, tons of these, like, flag cars. Um, and I was happy to see this flag car there. And then we had this beautiful ceremony in the evening. So after dinner we all everybody was invited to the great hall and as we walked in there was this incredible beautiful singing by this one nun who sings like an angel just incredibly beautiful beautiful singing and then we went we had this uh all the children were there too and then we went out and a group had made a whole bunch of with colored paper paper flower lanterns and they were kind of like these paper flower cups and they had a, a candle inside, and they had lit the candles, and they were all handing it to us. And we did this peace walk, right, because they were kind of celebrating Interdependence Day, where we are all interdependent, right, with, with each other. We actually all depend on each other. This kind of, we have to recognize, right, that we are interdependent as well as independent, right? Um, anyway, so we had these, all the children and all the adults were given these beautiful colored lantern flowers and we did this silent peace walk it was so so beautiful and then one of the nuns had written the word peace in beautiful handwriting in a circle of um in mulch on the lawn in front of the like this circular uh, lotus pond in front of the great hall and so we put the lanterns all on the mulch so 
what happened was that it was all these colorful candle flower lanterns that wrote out the word peace. It's so, so beautiful. I'll have to put a picture in the show notes for you. And it was gorgeous. So the sun was setting and we had this beautiful peace thing. And then we had to wait for it to get dark because the they actually put on fireworks, which made me really happy. Uh, so we waited for it to get dark around this lotus pond. And I heard across the pond a group of people singing like a I think it was America the Beautiful or something. So I was so excited because <laughs> these songs had been going through my head all day because of my, you know, upbringing in this really, really patriotic town. And so I started singing with them, and then I went over to them, and we sang America the Beautiful. We sang It's a Grand Old Flag. Um, and then <laughs> it was really great. It was so serendipitous as we sang the Star Spangled Banner, and we got to that point where it's like, and the rocket's red glare. That's when the fireworks started in the, the field where the fireworks were, and we and this firework went off. It was so perfect timing, and... When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're gonna talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. We went over, we all went over, and I have to confess, I did actually run over with my children because I was so excited. Well, many of the other, most of the adults were sort of walking <laughs> and the children were running, but I was running too. And they had a, you know, sort of a do not cross line where, and then about a hundred feet down the field, they, the monks were mindfully putting off fireworks and they were, it was actually a really good fireworks show. I was very impressed. And that says, that's a lot coming from a, coming from me. <laughs> so it was a really very satisfying, very filling, fulfilling 4th of July. It really felt wonderful to be there. Um, we didn't have to drive home <laughs> through the, the fireworks traffic. We just, you know, walked to our bunk after and, um, 
And it was such a beautiful, beautiful way to celebrate. I really, really loved that. And then after that, we had, you know, two more days and we had a, I guess my daughters would chastise me if I neglected to tell you about the be-in. So we, we had these two more days of rest and quiet. And we also had these Dharma groups where, Dharma sharing groups where um, a group of people were assigned to sort of sit together and we got to share and talk to one another in a really deep and true way. And and this is something that's really incredibly special about this uh, retreat is that we, you know, you're there without, you know, quote unquote entertainment, without your TV, your phone, without alcohol. You know, I like my glass of wine at night without any of those things. And the thing is that people we all become, in some ways, so relaxed, right? So um, at peace with ourselves and comfortable and um, just like really there, really present and at ease that it's really fun. Like people are very open and funny, you know, adults are silly <laughs> with each other in a way and really accepting Um and so it's really joyful to be around people without kind of the layers of defenses and distraction that, you know, that we have in our everyday life. And it's kind of sad, I think, in some ways that we have those layers of defenses and distraction normally. So it was really, really nourishing uh, to be in a place where we didn't have all those defenses, you know, it was really beautiful. And then, oh, the be-in. So, and then on our last night there, there's this be-in where we all <clears throat> went to the Great Hall and there were people did songs and skits and um, they did, there were, the children's group did a skit called The, the Buddha and the Beast. <laughs> and uh, people sang songs and my pot washing group, we had done a song and they had this song that we had learned like one of the first days called No Mud, No Lotus, which is an incredibly beautiful sentiment and saying like no mud, no lotus, meaning the lotus flower, right? The lotus is, symbolizes the fruit of enlightenment, right? The, the flowering of awakening or the end of suffering, right? The end of suffering and just being really fully here and present and letting go of all um, – you know, enlightenment, nirvana. But the, the lotus flower it has its roots in the mud, meaning it has its roots in like the compost, in the rotting, decayed things, right? And we all have mud. We have, <clears throat> we have <clears throat> regrets. We have anger. We have fears. We have worries. We have doubts. And this is our mud. And if we take it, it can be compost, right? We can take this mud and turn it, take our suffering and turn it into compost to help us awaken, to help us uh, have more compassion and more awareness. It can really, uh, because we have that suffering, it, it can help us. It, it can be what we practice to help us bloom and blossom. So it was really this beautiful um, beautiful sentiment that really goes deep to is very deep to me and anyway there's a song no mud no lotus and so what we did is I'll, i'm not like a great singer but i'll sing you a little bit of it so we change the words a little which you'll hear in the second line uh 
Uh, it goes, no mud, no lotus, no lotus, no mud, no pot, no dinner, no dinner, no pot. <laughs> and then we had all these sort of silly lyrics. It was pretty fun. There's my husband starting the car and leaving the house. Anyway, um, so the bee in that was the skit that we did as the pot washers and the children did a skit and there was actually an eight-year-old boy who did a comedy routine that was actually really funny, I have to say. I was really impressed with his bravery. And there was um and there was, you know, an incredibly beautiful singer, a teenage girl who was an incredibly beautiful singer. So it was just really beautiful. And um, so that was the bee in. All right, so I've just been rambling on. I'm probably talking in your ear enough so the, about the family retreat. I just wanted to share it uh, because it really uh, makes an impact on me. And this is the last thing I want to share with you is what I'm taking away from this. And I think one of the biggest things I'm taking away from this week is a commitment to, I really want to make a commitment to not hurry. <laughs> you know, I have strong seeds of impatience in me and um, efficiency, right? Like we value efficiency so much, you know, and I, I really want to let go of some of that efficiency and allow more spaciousness. I want to allow more buffer time to, I don't want to just get somewhere right on time and be a little anxious about getting somewhere. I want to allow time to stop and breathe and to notice the flowers. And, and I want to not be so hurried. I want to take my time. I'm doing pretty well with like doing one thing at a time. And I'm going to practice that even more to be present, just doing one thing at a time. And I do pretty well having boundaries around my work. Um, like I'm, I don't check email in the evening and I have a screen-free Sunday. But my big takeaway is I want to have less hurry and more spaciousness in my life. I want to slow down. And part of that is also, you know, our internet life and things like that. I want to, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when we were young, you know, when I was a teenager, I had to like seek out information. I had to seek out like music, good music. I had to seek out like when there were shows. I had to seek out information about all kinds of different things. And now you know, as a generation, we all had to do that. We had to seek out things. And now as, you know, I'm 39, so maybe I don't know how old you are, but, you know, you might be in around this generation where actually now we have to stop seeking out things and we have to recognize that habit maybe and start to, in fact, protect ourselves from things. Like we don't have to do it all. We don't have to know about everything. Um, it's, we have, I really want to let go of any FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Like, and just, you know, there's only so much we can do. Let's just do what we're doing beautifully and with presence, like be fully here for what we are doing and not hurry. And that is what I'm really taking away is letting go of some hurry. And the other thing I'm taking away is to, drop into myself a little bit more with my girls. We had a wonderful presentation, um, Mindful Parenting, from a woman who is now a parent who was formerly a nun, Fern, and I'm going to have her on the podcast, so you'll get to hear her too. Um, 
or maybe I'm not sure when I'm going to release this. So maybe she's already been on. I'm not sure. (laughs) But she talked about this practice of dropping into herself. And I really like that kind of imagery of, and I've been practicing this since I've got home, of just kind of dropping in and pause. And really it's about pausing, right? But that pause, take that pause a little deeper and drop into your breath, drop into your body, come to you, what the real you, right? The gold underneath the plaster. There's a story of there were these uh, somewhere in Indonesia or somewhere in in Asia where they found one of the biggest Buddhas ever, right? And uh, and it was a plaster Buddha. And at one point there was a crack in the plaster and they noticed there was gold underneath this plaster. So they took all the plaster off and it's one of the largest gold Buddhas in the world. And so what they did is they plastered the Buddha to protect it. And I think we do that too, right? We plaster ourselves with busyness, with defenses, with uh, stories to protect ourselves. And instead, we I want to drop into that gold underneath. I want to drop into that real self, drop into myself with my daughters. And um, this is something also I'm taking away. And then the last thing I'm taking away is, and I was thinking about this as I dropped my daughter off at swim team this morning, that I was looking at the beautiful lilies around the um, planted there. There was a lot of talk of flowers, like we water uh, the flowers and other people, like we water the, f- we, we uh, practice appreciation for them. We can practice freshness uh, like a flower, right? That this is a, a big part of the language of the family retreat at Blue Cliff and of the um, community of Thich Nhat Hanh. And I think I I like this, this language of the flower and this just kind of, this has kind of been imprinted in me, I guess, this idea of, of the flower and that freshness and just appreciating this, this amazing miracle of life, these flowers that are here and taking the flowers that are around and using them as a symbol of this is our blooming, right? Like I am like that flower and you are like that flower and you can bloom with awareness. You can bloom with compassion with, you know, you are an amazing, you know, all the people around are like these amazing flowers of so many colors and, um, and we are blooming here on earth. And I actually had this moment where we were driving back and, it's kind of, you know, it's a little challenging to come back um, from this place where we slowed down so much and we paused and and um, and we stopped on the New Jersey Turnpike, you know, and there's this rest stop where it's like, there's like a Cinnabon and it's, you know, it's this whole big thing. And we kind of walked, I walked mindfully into the rest stop, but I had this moment, I guess maybe I was so fresh from the retreat, but I hope I can take it with me, right? I hope I can take this with me. But I had this moment of seeing, instead of seeing all the people in the rest up and being like, ah, this sucks, right? I actually had this moment of seeing them all as flowers, right? As beautiful flowers, uh, all different colors and shapes and sizes. So that was really nice. So you, my dear listener, thank you so much for being here. You are also you are also a flower, a beautiful flower, uh, a, a miracle of this incredible life we live. 
And then the other thing I'm taking away is watering that flower, right? As flowers, we need to be watered. We need to water our own flowers. We need to appreciate ourselves, love and accept and appreciate ourselves. And then we can water the flowers of our children. You know, we can, before maybe, you know, we talk to them about something difficult, we can water their flower. We can tell them what we appreciate about them, right? So water the flowers, water their good seeds, water their flowers. And that's another thing I'm going to be taking away. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for listening. If you made it all the way through to hear this long sort of um, description of the family retreat, I I really appreciate that. I, um, I really appreciate you here. Uh, on the other side of this podcast, whenever it is, uh, connecting to this. And I hope this podcast, this my sharing, nourishes the seeds in you, right? Nourishes the seeds of mindfulness, of compassion, nourishes, reminds you to appreciate the beauty around you, appreciate yourselves, maybe, maybe reminds you to slow down and not hurry, at least today, right? Maybe just the next hour, practice not not hurrying and practice to smile and appreciate your breathing. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I hope you enjoy this uh, episode about the family retreat. It was such an amazing uh, thing and I really have so much gratitude for the way they open up for us crazy families to arrive there. So um, if you have any questions, you can email me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com, Clark with an E, Fields with an S. And um, I would really love it if you would subscribe and leave a rating. Remember, you can just click on the podcast app on your phone search for the Mindful Mama podcast and leave a review right there. It's so, so easy. So, and it really helps enormously. It makes a huge difference in the iTunes algorithm. Like there's so many podcasts out there, you know, it helps people find this one and, and hear this, uh, this content and really get nourished. So, so please, uh, please do leave a review and leave a rating and subscribe. Uh, coming up in like a month in September or so, if you're listening to this live when it happens, is the Mindful Parenting course, the live version of the course and the really valuable live coaching that you get and the, um, the live connection with other moms. And the cool thing about this is when you join the live course, you actually are in it for life. So I've had people who join the first mindful parenting course and they get they join in the Q&A and the coaching for the next one and they get to do it forever and ever every spring and fall forever so it's really really valuable so I invite you to um, keep that in mind and thanks honey bunny William Fields for the music have a great week my friends namaste Are you a mom who wants to feel less stressed and enjoy motherhood more? Do you want to be calmer with your kids and be more present for all of your life? I'm a mom who has gone from really being stressed and yelling when my kids were young to having a more grounded, 
more at ease relationship with life and having more enjoyable cooperative relationships with my kids. And I've shown hundreds and thousands of women around the world how to do this. And I wanna show you how to do it too. So if you are currently feeling stuck or stagnant, this is definitely for you. I've created a free downloadable Audible training, Mindfulness for Moms, the superpower you need. And it will show you how to respond rather than react, how to let go of stress and feel more grounded in seconds, how to have a smoother day today and become more present for your kids for a lifetime. To get on on this audio training absolutely free, simply visit the website www.mindfulmomguide.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.